Welcome to Cash Considerations, the podcast that takes you behind the Las Vegas sportsbook from the guys that actually work behind it. With your hosts, Alan Berg, Dave Sharapan, and Matoy Pearson. All right, boys, we're back. We're we're had a little audio difficulties, but we are back live. Friday night edition. NCAA Elite Eight has been set. But before we get to the basketball talk and everything else that we're going to do, I got to welcome in our guys from the Caesars Control Center. We got AB. Good evening tonight, sir. What's happening? Oh, you know, you know. Uh, we got Mo. Mo, I know you got a lot to talk about tonight, right? Yeah, no, we'll let it we'll let it unfold as uh, as uh, the night continues. So. Uh... Definitely uh, appreciative to be here, man. What's going on, Dave? Excellent. And and then tonight, we welcome back our uh, regular guest, senior bookmaker Jeff Davis, off a three-day work break. How do you do off a three-day rest, J.D.? Uh, fantastic. Can't wait to start the office at 5.30 in the morning. <laughs> hey, man. You did a nine-day straight. And uh, a little mini Cal Ripken streak. And when it's during March Madness, it feels like Cal Ripken streak. But we are glad to have you here this evening. Uh, You didn't get to witness in person, in the book per se, uh, these last two days. But Mo, I know you had the biggest high of all highs with this Loyola team yesterday. But... Can you explain the lows of all lows with the Syracuse first half tonight? Yeah, no, Griff's definitely lucky that he's not on this show. Because <laughs> uh, it seemed like he had a big talk, but I know he would try to, you know, probably duck out uh, watching the rest of that second half unfold, um, even watching Nevada come back. So, I mean, that, that was that was definitely big, especially uh, through the account, no doubt. But, yeah, no, uh, yeah, I watched Syracuse um, go up in Syracuse fashion. Uh, you know, in that first half against Duke. And then I, I seen him uh, blow it all in Syracuse fashion, obviously late in that first half. So I, I feel like that's probably good enough to, um, you know, give the listeners right now. Um, the Loyola game was great, wasn't it? The Loyola game was awesome. Yeah, no, it's no, they play incredible. It's it's weird. They get into like stretches where, uh, you know, they get up big uh, or at least like, you know, go on certain runs and then they're so efficient or at least trying to be efficient with trying to get good shots off that the, the shot clock runs so far down that they blow a lot of the possessions. And it's tough to watch late, especially when you're rooting for them. But, you know, if, if they're going to be winning like that, then it's definitely exciting. Oh, for sure. Uh, AB, have you seen, uh, just in general, the action has been, I mean, last week is incredible. And you guys explained it really well last week, Friday night. I was out. I was just, I had done 12 hours and 14 hours, two days, and I just had to get some sleep, so I missed the show. But it's the biggest week of the year as far as, like, you know, and Jeff said it best, where you have five days to make money. But how was the action these last two days in general? 
Um, it's still pretty solid. I mean, it, you know, it's not obviously on that level of that uh, the uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday of the first four game or first four round, or not first four rounds, first two rounds. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was solid for, for sure. Yeah, it is. Uh, I know at least I feel it more just because I'm out at the counter a lot, obviously more than you guys are. Uh, you know, Jeff, just last week in general, how, how is it, can you describe to the listeners what you guys feel? Cause like, like Kansas tonight, they don't cover again on a last second, meaningless layup last week against Seton Hall, Seton Hall throws in that prayer and it goes in. They don't cover the collective groan in a sports book when a dog covers the favorite wins, but the dog covers. Do you guys feel any of that in the back room, in the control room? Uh, beyond anyone's actual like recognition. Yes. Uh, to give you an example, I believe it was Friday uh, without going into too much detail. We had visitors uh, checking out the operation and it was coming down it was North Carolina against Lipscomb, and they were trading possessions going on either side of the number for the last two to three minutes. And then Carolina hit a three with maybe, I don't know, 30 or 40 seconds left. And it was like the roar of a Game 7 hockey <laughs> overtime winner in the crowd. Unfortunately, the crowd forgot there was 30 to 40 seconds left. Uh, Lipscomb then came down and hit a three. Uh, and then, the you know, the clock ran out. And it was one of the biggest decisions of the day. And our, our visitors were confused because, <laughs> the game was, because the game was already over in their mind. Because, you know, Carolina's up. You know, what's the difference if they're up 21 or 24? Well, 22 says... You know, it's a big difference. So it's, uh, you know, and where our office is, it's just on the other side of the wall. Uh, so we're right up against it. Uh, yeah, it's uh, the crowd in there was nuts uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. In that, uh, in that same game, I, uh, I asked him 19 and a half with UNC. And, a, and after uh, Lipscomb hit the three, I was okay with it because they were up 20. So I was fine. So, you know, North Carolina puts in like their threes and fours. Obviously, they got to feel the, the love of the tournament. So they're they're going down, and a guy runs up, and he puts up a floater, and uh, it rims out. But one of the bigs that came off the bench tries to come in, and he tries to slam it. I mean, with all his might, it's it's pretty insane. My dad's there watching, and he's like, "What do you have?" I'm like, "Dude, chill for a second. I'm, we got, no, I got don't say anything. Don't, said, don't say anything." So the, the guy comes and slams, but it it bounces off the back of the iron. I mean, it's insane. And I'm looking at the ball like, well, this is dumb. And one of Lipscomb guys catches it. And then North Carolina fouls. I mean, you know, neither, needless to say, they make both free throws and it destroys me. But, I mean, it was, it's definitely one of the worst things I've ever seen in my entire life. As good as, the lines, have, as, good as the lines have been, you know, on a lot of the games, there have, I mean, there have been a bunch of games that have come down literally to the last bucket either way. As far as the sides, um, I haven't looked recently as far as what the totals have been doing, but um, I, I, as much as you know, everyone remembers those. I had a tweet about that. You know, 
Purdue was favored tonight and lost by 13. You know, so it, it, it works both ways. I like to talk about that. You know, everyone always remembers these games that fall one point one way, one point the other. But as good as those lines are, there are other ones where, you know, we're just putting up a line to generate action and hopefully, you know, get opinions both sides. You know, and, and, and it's funny from the tourist standpoint, we'll just call them that, the people from out of town that don't live this and breathe this and work this every day, they don't get it, right, Jeff? I mean, they just don't understand. No, and so many games, you said it right on, Dave, so many games came down to the last minute as far as the numbers concerned. And on Thursday, we had a lot of games. We didn't get a lot of breaks, but we ended up ahead as a peanut. Like Duke-Iona, Iona had two possessions uh, late. To, you know, They just needed a bucket to cover. They didn't. Uh, that Thursday feels like a decade ago, so I don't remember the rest of them. But uh, there were so many games that came down to the last possession that we were on the wrong side of. And then on Friday, every last minute went our way, every single one, uh, total burial. Oh, uh, it continued and, throughout the weekend, didn't it? I was, you know, I've been in the business for oh, better part of 12 years now, and, and – this is my first tournament in which I've seen the book win all four days. I've right. yet, there's always a day where the public gets the money, and it wasn't even close this year. There was no day in the first four days where we had to squeeze out a win. Uh, Saturday began ominously with the first three favorites getting there, and then it was carnage late, and it just turned into a burial like the other two days. Right, and then Sunday just continued it where there were eight games, seven dogs covered, five won outright, and people left just bludgeoned, empty pockets. Everybody was kind of moping, you know, out of the book. It was over. It was If it was a fight, it would have been stopped, you know, halfway through Saturday for sure, and it just it should have been stopped like Rocky should have thrown in the towel when Apollo got knocked out by Drago, it was done. That was it. Um, oh, you're 100% right. I mean, we were really slow on Sunday. And mm-hmm. and that's a lot of it is that's just how it is because people come in, they take Thursday, Friday off of work, they fly out Wednesday night, they stay Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then they fly back to go to work Monday. But all the people that were, that showed up Friday for the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, nobody needed any money. I mean, <laughs> you looked out in the book, it looked like a Wednesday night conference week in December on Sunday. <laughs> you, you know, somebody trying to squeeze out their Seton Hall second half bet against St. John's on a Wednesday night. That's what the crowd looked like <laughs> on yeah, Sunday. It really did. It was uh, it was a weird vibe. And like you said, it usually is a lighter day, but it just had that feeling of like, man, I give up. Like, seriously, I'm just going to go put it on black. I got a better shot, you know, because I don't know what to pick. Yeah. So, well, let's look at the Thursday games uh, that have already happened. Uh, K-State beating Kentucky. Uh, Everyone had Kentucky's ticket punched to the final four. They forgot about them having to actually play the game. Was that a biggest surprise to you guys as it was to the general public? I'll start with you first, Mo. Man, I was a, actually questioning over drinks with some buddies uh you know which one was more surprising zags going down to uh the seminoles or k-state you know kind of upholding that uh 
that lead they're trying to hold on to against Kentucky and, you know, obviously hanging on and get into the Elite Eight. I don't know. I mean, Kentucky played well through that conference tournament, and they looked like they, you know, they kind of had it going on, and Calipari was pushing the right buttons. Uh, but I I personally think the Zags losing how they did, um, you know, even with K-State not even really being known, I thought the Zags may have been a little bit more uh, uh, confusing for me. Um the Sharps were obviously on the both side, uh, on the other side of uh, both those games, uh, from what I know personally. Um, you know, it's 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 rough for you know even Kentucky to lose like that, and you know because it, it, it was so low scoring, and they were down thirteen to one right out the gate. It was insane. I mean, just all those games yesterday were insane. Uh, you know, even adding Michigan, blowing Texas A&M out by twenty. But I would say the Zags was definitely more confusing to me, losing by fifteen to Florida State. Um, you know, I don't know what you, what you guys thought as well. well. One, of the, one of those, I mean, as those games get away from them and then they start fouling and then, you know, Florida State kept making their free throws and the Zags start heaving up ridiculous threes to try to get back in it, the games get away and the margin of victory looks a lot worse than it is. But, I mean, it was a bad loss, yes. Um, K-State played great. I, I thought that that was a ugly but entertaining game. Loyola was the best game Thursday, no question, just as far as entertainment standpoint. And I don't know. <laughs> what about Michigan? I mean, is Michigan obviously, Jeff, are they the favorite, at least on that side of the bracket? Oh, well, it's funny. You look at the two brackets and, like, it's almost like the winner of the AAA All-Star game gets to play the Astros. And, you know, I, I didn't watch one second of basketball on Thursday because the March, the, the first four days is kind of is very cathartic for me. And I, I kind of shut it down after that. And I, I notoriously take that Thursday off. I, I don't care. I don't want to watch. It's I recharge uh, I get, get through the Masters. And then now with this summer, I'm going to start, you know, I'll be recharged and work on the World Cup. But I didn't watch any basketball on Thursday. I didn't care. I didn't want to watch it. But just from like, but just from like a demographic of who was betting the games, I, I mean, there was no doubt in my mind K State was at least live coming in. Uh, on top of the fact, everybody Kentucky, Kentucky, Kentucky. They beat Buffalo and Davidson, and frankly, were a mediocre SEC entry all year. And everybody just couldn't wait to lay a fistful against, you know, a pretty solid defensive team. And, like, on the surface, like, the number was just crazy to me. Um, but as far as Michigan, on that side anyways, they just they just keep winning and winning comfortably once they escape the Houston game. I mean, the entire last two months of the season, they've been a buzzsaw. Exactly, and... It's just crazy how we've seen it in the past. A team gets a buzzer beater like that that's, you know, I mean, they earned it, but it was a ridiculous shot, a crazy scenario, and they get it done, and then they take that and roll. And so far, that's what they've done. Um, as far as the conferences go, I mean, there's still three Big 12 teams left, and Mo and I, in our breakdowns back in February, and even into early March, we kept saying the Big 12 is the best conference. It's the deepest conference. The ACC is, is yes, they, they have the better teams per se at the top. But, I mean, as now we've gotten here, the Big 12 has, has showed out pretty well. And, I mean, 
Going into Saturday, Kansas State is playing Loyola. They're favored by a point and a half. Uh, Mo, you got a side here? I know you're big with Sister Jean and the, you know, Ramblers and everything else. Can they get another one done and actually get to the Final Four? Man, it's <laughs> it's definitely crazy. I mean, it, it opened as a pick. And um, obviously now, I mean, I think a, a sharper action took it to one or one and a half uh, from what we've seen on our side. I don't know. I mean, man, it's hard for me to go against a team that obviously I have pride for like my as far as my whole life um, and my whole life being about three months of, of uh, games <laughs> I've watched from them. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I mean, uh, they the pace that they play at, they have a tempo that they play at. It's not like they can beat anyone, but they can stay in games because of how efficient they are on defense, um, you know, kind of staying in games. Um not giving up easy buckets. And, uh, you know, they, they Peter Mosier, who's the uh, coach for Loyola, I think he's got a pretty sick understanding of, um, you know, how to play, especially at this time in the year uh, with the guards that they have. And, you know, those those guys have been really mm-hmm. doing, uh, um, you know, it's a big credit to them on the way that they're playing, that the way they've been playing, especially on the perimeter on both sides of the floor. They only turned over the, the ball ten times in the first two games. They had a rough first half against Nevada before they actually uh, took the lead. For me, I think they have a shot to an extent, but it seems like K-State, uh, Bruce Weber, he's, he's got them playing pretty well. And I, I think that was a – I honestly think that was a bigger win against Kentucky than Loyola's against Nevada. Dude, that uh, was, a, that was I, a program-changing win. If they actually now can beat Loyola, that's a program-changing win for them. It's funny that we're even talking about K-State versus Loyola at this point. It's almost insane. Right, yeah. I, yeah, I would think this is almost a nightmare uh, for the NCAA guys, but I feel like uh, – just the uh, uh, the comedy of it's kind of giving it more of an aspect to watch. So Jeff, I'm you still going to go with the dog. You got a side there, Jeff? Uh, I just the way Mo's talking about this Loyola team, like have you uh, toured campus? Do you have a jersey? <laughs> yeah, no, no. Me and Sister Jean go way back. I've known Sister Jean for years. No, all, all I know. All I can think of with this game is the CBS executives. And not even the CBS executives, the the companies that bought commercial time might get to have bought Loyola, Chicago, Florida State on one side of the Final Four. Mm-hmm. Oh. You, I mean, personally, I'd be excited. But can you imagine the the sponsors of the Texas Tech Loyola Chicago National Championship game? <laughs> yeah. You're, oh, no, it'd be a nightmare. You may not get the numbers you were promised. At least when you bought the ads, that's that's an understatement. But they do such a good job of of selling the stories. I mean, Sister Jean's become a national celebrity. I saw a tweet today. She was born before the NFL. She was actually born before there was an NFL. It's crazy. Anyhow, I couldn't even tell. Yeah, it was, no, she looks great. I mean, right. Speaking of looking great, Jeff, we we had briefly discussed it earlier. Is Coach K at 71 maybe one of the best 71-year-old looking guys you've seen in a while? I'm, I had no idea he was 71. Like you got to Google like, it. When you, when you hear it, you're like, wait a second, he can't be 71. I mean, I mean, the hair paint is at, is at elite status, but <laughs> I mean. He went through a couple rough years. He had some bad colors, some bad dye, but it's perfect now. And I don't know what he's doing, but whatever it is, it's oh. working. I mean, a, he doesn't. He doesn't look a day over fifty-five. The lettuce is tight. 
Uh, he, yeah, he's looking sharp. He's a reptilian shapeshifter. I'm almost <laughs> sure. And if anybody doesn't know what that is, they can look it up. But he's not from this planet. I, I'm almost sure of it. He's not human. Is his Did team? Is not human. Is his team from this planet, boys? Are they going to win their game? They're favored. Did you guys, Al? Have you posted a line yet for Duke, Kansas? Yeah, it's minus three and a half Duke, and then Villanova's minus six and a half over Texas Tech. Oh wow. Okay, so Duke three and a half, probably four in some spots. Um, at first glance at that one, Jeff, you got an opinion? Not really. The number seems right. Um, Duke's got the better looking coach. They'll probably prevail. <laughs> <laughs> Unreal. Uh, it just feels like that Bill Self, he just gets there, gets so close. Uh, he needs the win, obviously, more than Duke does, but the number's right. I agree with you. When you, you say Duke, Kansas to go to the Final Four, what do you think? Four. four. You know, that's it. It's just, it's four. I have no opinion either way myself. Nova, they just keep getting it done. Uh, as far as watches tonight, there was a lot of fouls called in that game. It's just, I guess it's hard to play West Virginia. They they seem like they're wearing a target on their back, you know, because they play such aggressive defense. I don't know. The game, 90-78 to 78 final, Nova covers easy. And now A.B. says they're laying six and a half against Texas Tech. Mo, you've been all over Texas Tech for a month and a half. They got a shot here, don't they? Yeah, man. I mean, it's it's hard. I've I've only been on and off and spotty on them, but we we've known that they were good. For me, uh, you know, a buddy of mine, uh, Kyle, he's all he's all over Texas Tech. He thinks they're alive to win the game. I don't know if they're gonna win the game. Um, I'm just really acclimated to uh, the Final Four that I presented on Twitter not long ago. Kind of just rooting that in from a personal standpoint. Speaking but I, of I Twitter, think- Jeff, are you seriously holding a four hundred to one? position yeah. for Texas Tech? Yeah, I just early in the season I noticed it was a really well-coached team and they're all seniors. And when you get down to the end, you get a team of seniors against a, a team of one-and-dones. Uh, give me the seniors. Uh, you know, obviously a lot's gone right. Uh, I, I'm not going to do anything. I thought the Villanova number come a bit big. I figured it would be kind of I kind of put Texas Tech and West Virginia about the same, same. from a power yep. ranking. Mm-hmm. And frankly, I watched you know watched a lot of the games tonight. Texas Tech's defense is is serious. Yeah, uh, yep. I, I yep. just think I, I think the numbers should have been about the same. Like it five, is serious, five. but Purdue was offensively challenged. Is a polite way of saying it. Was that uh, because more of Texas Tech or because Purdue just? I mean, their offense was atrocious tonight. So, Purdue relies on the threes, and Texas Tech is one of the best three-point defensive teams in the country. And I just think tonight was a bad matchup for Purdue, uh, plain and simple, in my opinion. Okay. Um, Speaking of futures, uh, the other Elite Eight game, Michigan's four-and-a-half against Florida State. And our boy Mo is holding 150 to one on Michigan still. Um, you like your spot here, Mo? If they don't win it all, I'm going to quit doing cash considerations. Let's just work one at a time. How about one at a time? Are they going to beat Florida State? That's all I want to know right now. 
Yeah, man. I, I defensively, I mean, they. I feel like right now, I mean, it's a tale of two stories. They basically played their worst game against Houston. Obviously, went in with that big three, and then they shot about seventy percent from three and absolutely dominated uh, Texas A&M, who crushed uh, UNC. Um, I think Bayline's an incredible coach. I mean, not too many people talk about him, but for what he's done with the talent he's got, it's it's incredible. I, I actually wanted to shout out uh, PJ Savoy, who plays for Florida State, who had a, a big hand in coming back against Xavier. He's from um, uh, my alma mater, Las Vegas High School. Uh, so it was good to see him, you know, do well. Does he follow um, you on Twitter, Mo? No, no, he doesn't. Can no, you get him on the uh, show? It's possible that we can get him on the show. That's definitely possible. Mo, if they get to the him. Final Four, can you please work on getting him on the show? <laughs> yeah, he might not want to be on it after he loses to Michigan. I don't want to tell him, uh, you know, we, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm on it against him. But uh, I, I, like, I like Michigan personally still. Um, you know, defensively, if they can, if they can buckle down, if they're hitting shots, they can beat anybody in the nation. Uh, Jeff, similar position for you in that game. Yeah, I'm in total agreement uh, with what Mo said. Florida State has to play uh, the higher the scoring game. Florida State has a better chance to win. If Michigan can keep it in the 60s, uh, Florida State really doesn't have a chance. Oh, wow. Okay, so the total in that game is 143.5. Assuming from that quick breakdown you guys are both leaning under. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, like, like I said, I mean, when, I mean, Michigan got out quick and I think they ended up scoring, I think 70 on Texas A&M, but I would, I would feel more under, I mean, Texas A&M had six points in 10 minutes of that first half. I think there'll be more of the same against Florida State. So I'm leaning under, I wouldn't, uh, you know, give it out, but that'd be fine. Okay. And Jeff, you're indifferent on the total. I don't necessarily lean under. I just kind of think. If Michigan covers the number, it's more likely to go under. And if Florida State wins, it's more likely to go over. Okay. All right. Well, I wanted you... to say it like that, but I didn't think it out correctly. <laughs> it's been so, a it's been a long. He's basically day. speaking for me. Right. A long week, a long <laughs> night, and sometimes Mo, we need to speak for you. That's that's part of the show. That's part. That's of the... about eighty percent of the time, actually. <laughs> if anything, so yeah. Um. With the Elite Eight set, is there any particular path now that it's been established that either of you think punch this team's ticket at least to the Final Four for sure, if not to the final game? Just looking at the bracket. I'll start with you, Jeff. Um, I mean, you have to assume the, the winner of the Florida State-Michigan game is going to make the, going to be in the finals. Okay, on that side. I, I just think that the, the Michigan is clearly the class of the four, and Florida State's been kind of sneaky. And if, if Florida State can, you know, can be the first team in forever to beat Michigan, then, you know, I, I would think that, that the winner of that game will be, uh, uh, will be playing on a Monday. Right. The other side, Nova. I still, no, I still think Nova. I'm going to ride Nova. Yeah, I'm I'm just a, a big Texas Tech fan. I, I don't really I, have. I hope I'm wrong. I'm trying to jinx it for you. Side. I hope I'm wrong. And the I'm actually not going to play Villanova money line. I I don't want to hedge three times. 
and have Texas Tech win and then have and then have me while still win nicely not win nearly as much I'm just going to hope they beat Villanova and at that point uh, a Duke or a Kansas money line bet for multiple hundred dollars will be in play right <laughs> uh, um, nice all right well that'll do it for the NCAA talk we've got about 15 minutes left in the show and while we have Jeff on and myself on, we have to talk some hockey because we're both kind of hockey guys and not only enjoy the sport, but, you know, like to look ahead to the playoffs, which, you know, when we talk about the NBA, we had some NBA talk last show. The NBA is the good games are good, but the, the rest of the league is just unwatchable for most of March with these tankings and, you know, 60 one point losses and things and the hockey games are you, you literally see playoff games every night like the Knights game against the Sharks I'm assuming you didn't watch basketball Jeff on Thursday because you were watching Knights and Sharks yes or no yeah that's 100% accurate All right. uh, well, <laughs> was, it, was that a playoff game I mean that was oh, a man. hell of a hockey game you, you know I'm not a huge Subban fan, but he was amazing last night. Uh, the Knights were phenomenal for about 12 minutes last night. Uh, that was a, a very entertaining game. Uh, I'm hoping Flurry is okay, like they're leading him on to be. And because, frankly, when it comes to the playoffs, Subban just gives up too many rebounds. And he, he, even though he gave us a chance to win that game last night, I don't think that's going to be the norm. Um, yeah, we need we need Flurry back in a hurry. Well, he can't. I mean, the, the Knights cannot win the Stanley Cup. I don't even know if they can win two playoff series if Flurry's not in between the pipes. Well, I actually don't know if they can win two playoff series with him. Wait, you no. just faded out on me there, sir. I'm sorry. I said uh, I don't think they can win two playoffs series with with him never mind without it oh okay no i agree i actually i said the same thing the other night when we were discussing it um not that they're fading but some things are starting to be exposed a little bit with the knights as far as making a long playoff run um i'm not sure either as far as who will make a long playoff run let's look at the western conference first it's clear Nashville is playing at a ridiculous level. They look clearly like the best team, you know, arguably in all of hockey, but for sure in the Western Conference, they have the most points. They have the best goal differential. They have everything clicking. Um, so, yeah, it looks like they're the best team. But who in the West, at least right now, are you looking at as of, you know, with – Eight games to go for most teams, nine, five, in that area. Who are you looking at in the West that's going to make a run? No, see, Nashville has, has been unconscious. They've won, what, 14 out of 15 or mm -hmm. 15 out of 16 or, or something crazy. I still think Winnipeg's the best team in, in, in the West, and I, I still think that even if the Knights actually win two playoff series, they're not beating Winnipeg in the Western Conference Finals. They're just not going to do it. I actually don't think anybody's going to beat them. Um, With or without home ice? Yeah, it doesn't matter. I think they're an absolute buzzsaw. You look at the lineup, uh, 
you know, not to take anything away from the Nashville run, but if you look at the teams they've beaten, Ottawa, Detroit, St. Louis, Edmonton, Vancouver, Arizona, Buffalo, all involved in that win streak. Um, it sounds like, the, to, sounds like the Sixers beating all the tanking teams in the NBA. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not ready to crown the Predators. Uh, I, I just look at the four lines of, of, of the Winnipeg side, uh, you know, with five five defensemen, uh, four lines with the elite talent. Uh, I, I watched a bunch of the uh, Winnipeg-Anaheim tonight. That, that team is serious. Are you concerned at all? A.B. brought this up last time we talked hockey. With Winnipeg's goaltending in there, oh no, not at all. Hellebuck's excellent. Okay, having never done it before in a playoff run, doesn't concern you. Could it concern me? Sure, but I don't know. He's played well all year. He was super highly touted coming out of college. It's just kind of taken him a little while to. Uh, to get there, I guess you could say. I mean, he does hold the all-time NCAA record for lowest goaltending, uh, lowest goals against in the season. So he's clearly talented. There's no chance the Sharks are catching the the Knights, are there? No, I think they're too far back. Um, the Sharks are pretty good. Um, they got a lot of pieces, but no. How? I mean, do I, I let me bring up the standings here? I, they're seven points behind. I, they both have played seventy-four games. No, nah, there's no no chance. I don't think there is either. So the Knights in their first season, expansion season, are, they got 100 points. They're going to win the division. They're going to have home ice at least for one, if not two, playoff series. It's just such an incredible story that I don't know if it's just been done justice nationally or just in the hockey world. I mean, it is crazy. And... Obviously, we're all eating it up here, especially hockey fans, but just the general public. Anyone else in the West that you think, hmm, I don't want to play that team as far as like Wild, Kings, Ducks, even the Avalanche? Anyone there? Uh, Probably the Ducks, just based on how good John Gibson is and how playoff-tested that team is and how tough they are. Uh, I wouldn't want to play the Ducks. Okay. Let's jump to the east where, I mean, the Lightning have been, you know, wire to wire, the best team point-wise, win-wise, et cetera, et cetera. But the one team that's been so good that no one's talking about is the Bruins. I mean, they're no joke, right? They can beat the Lightning in a series. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, they've had the Lightning's number the last few years. They've beat them like – nine out of 10 or 10 out of 11 times in a row. I mean, I, I don't know how much it matters when it comes to the playoffs, but we don't really know what you're going to get out of Vasilevsky as the guy in the playoffs. Um, as good as Tampa's been, I don't think they've been as good in the second half as they've been in the first half. Um, but I think it's, I would be comfortable in saying that whoever comes out of the Atlantic will be playing Winnipeg in the Stanley Cup. Oh, wow. Okay, so Capitals, Penguins, Flyers, Blue Jackets, yeah. I mean, they're going to beat each other up, aren't they? I would think. I mean, the Blue Jackets have won 10 in a row, and Bobrovsky's excellent. But when it comes down to it, can they really score enough goals to beat to win 
four playoff series I'm not sure. Um, and then the Capitals, how the hell they're the first, they're first in the Metro. I have no idea because clearly this is their worst entry in the last five or six years. Um, and wouldn't never it be capital esque for them to actually get to the at least the <laughs> Eastern Conference Finals this year with the worst team that we all know is just not as good as it was last year, the year before? Wouldn't it just be that yeah. way? Yeah, that they actually beat the Penguins this right. year, absolutely, and then, and then they and then they go play Tampa or Boston and get run out of the building. Right. That's that's the way it feels like it's going to go. Um, I know as far as the Penguins, man. They're Jekyll and Hyde. They're so good at home. They're painfully average on the road. Um, they look. I don't think they're night. that good, actually. I don't think, I think they, they are either. Travesty on the road. Yeah, they really are. And um, you know, the goaltending situation is what it is. Um, you know, Murray has two cups. They are the two-time defending champion. Um, but I don't consider them a true threat to actually get the three peak. I just, I, I, I mean, the futures are so low on them anyway, there's no value. But really, I don't think they have a shot. Do you? No. Uh, the goaltending situation, and again, we we talked about they They just don't win games on the road. Who are they going to beat? They're going to go into the Boston Garden and win, win games on the road there in the Eastern Conference Finals? I'm, I don't think so. No. The one outlier in the East that if they get in, they're going to be the team that nobody wants to play is the Devils, don't you think? They're scary. They, they're really, they have a ton of team speed. I don't know if they have enough experience to actually win multiple playoff series, but I kind of lump them in with, with the Panthers. One of those teams is going to get in as the eight seed. Um, and, uh, you know, they got some top-end talent. They're not super deep. They've got team speed. Um, I, I don't know if the, the I'm not sure the Devils goaltending is good enough to actually win multiple playoff series. Is there a harder road to a championship in any sport than the NHL for the Stanley Cup? I can't imagine there is. I mean, these guys battle tooth and nail every night to you know to win 16 games, and it's literally you know, every other night for two months. Yeah, I mean, Eric Carlson played with a torn tendon in his foot, and they got to you know overtime and, you know, one goal away from playing Stanley Cup last year. Joe right. Thornton played with, a, you know, a torn MCL or whatever he played with. The I mean, lower body are... injury. The lo... <laughs> it's the, it's the, the lower, lower body, body injury or the upper body injury. That's yeah. it. Um, all right. Well, for those of you that tuned out for the hockey talk, that'll do it for the hockey talk. we got five minutes left. I just wanted to um, – touch on if you real if you could and I'll go to AB first if AB's still with us can you describe maybe to the listeners at all what it's like in the room for this basketball tournament just in general I mean like how it's different than just a normal day oh college basketball question yeah waiting 50 minutes and I got a college basketball question. <laughs> uh, it's, you Sick. know, it's it, for me, it's a cool environment because I like I've been wanting to do this side of things for a long time and have only kind of dabbled in it here and there. So um, just just, you know, watching all the bets flying in and 
but it's it's silly though. I mean, you just see these people just load up on the same team over and over and over again. I mean, uh, like I swear, sometimes it wouldn't matter to them what the numbers said. They just want the team, and it, it's it's comical. It really is, and and when you see it in person, face to face, when you're at the counter, you just cannot believe it. Like you, you literally go, "Wow, I really wish we had books in other places." Because you can see how you don't have to be as, I mean, and, and Jeff, you've talked about chasing the George Washington Duquesne steam. There's none of that this week, right? There's none of that. No, Jeff. no, no. At this point, the numbers are pretty solid. I mean, if they're moving, they're moving a hook. You know, maybe the opener moves a half a point or a point, you know, right when it comes out. But whatever the number is on game day, I mean, maybe you find a half a point bearing. But the numbers are real solid now. The teams are what they are. For you guys that get to experience it all the time in person, Jeff, the cat wants to be on the show. Did you hear him? Yeah, Otis is, Otis is screaming. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, speaking of screaming – you boys get to witness it in person. What's more entertaining? You know, working or, you know, watching the crowd or working and watching Mo with action? <laughs> I mean, Al, is there I a better show than watching Mo? Oh, Mo's incredible, man. Like, that <laughs> that kid, like, because the craziest thing about Mo for me is that I've always found what he does and, like, what he does exactly completely annoying but he actually makes it like entertaining i can't explain it but it's a complete 180 of how when i see people react at six four in a basketball game i usually go man i hope that guy jumps off a bridge tonight <laughs> but mo it's entertaining as hell man i don't know what it is at least for me mo is this your favorite time of year oh man but uh besides uh, every single college football saturday oh yeah of course. i would i i i would uh I'd probably vote, yeah, man. I just, I want, I want people to sweat out games, you know, the, the right way. I, you know, I, obviously cheering for any every basket's fine, uh, in my opinion. I don't even care, but they gotta watch it the whole way through. <laughs> Once they learn how to do that, I'm gonna respect more people, but they gotta know at least what's going on in the game before they start screaming. But I'll, yeah, I'll scream at a, you know, a regular still, you know, with 15 minutes left. Uh, if it's on my side, you know, just they won't they don't even have to score. They just have to get a defensive turnover and I'll be ecstatic. So, yeah, oh, there's man. a lot of stuff. Jeff, I don't know as, as a guy who's on a closer to the north end of 40, AB's the same way. I'm over the 40 mark. Don't we look at this guy in his 20s and go, what the hell are you doing, man? Yeah, especially <laughs> in a basketball game. Anybody with a brain knows <laughs> that the first 36 minutes of a basketball game is thoroughly irrelevant. <laughs> NBA, college, it doesn't matter, right? I mean, NBA even more so. But you're like, man, come on. You can't be serious right now. If if you're seeing someone get slammed on and you're not cheering for that, I don't know if I, I don't know if these that things are going on right. <laughs> if I'm seeing someone get slammed on, I don't even care what game it is, honestly. If he's getting banged on, I'm screaming. I'm, I have to scream. It's, it's hard. It's hard for me to not yell for an and one. And it's not hard. It, it's hard for me not to yell out a fumble when that's happening. Like it's, I don't know, man. I apologize. Some people are, are um, quote unquote, maybe offended, but I, I, I live, I live my life by a, a different set of rules. <laughs> <laughs> that's the understatement of the year, right there. 
All right. Oh, man. Well, that will do it uh, as far as tonight's show. I want to thank you guys for joining us. Jeff, thanks again. Make sure Otis gets a bowl of milk or whatever you give him before bedtime. Uh, He'll get a ton of food. He's a big... Attaboy. Make sure he eats and lay off of... uh, What were you pounding tonight? The Swedish fish? Uh, No, I wish I had... I went to Sam's Club earlier today, and about an hour and a half ago, I really wish I had bought Swedish fish, and I didn't. And... uh, (laughs) It, it was a little bit deflating. Uh, make sure you pick up Swedish Fist for Jeff tomorrow. Whoever's listening to the show, drop them off at Caesars. All right. That'll do it for the show tonight. Elite Eight Talk. You found some picks in there. We got some NHL in and some other random thoughts. For A.B., Mo at Caesars, Jeff at home with Otis, all listeners, cash considerations, thanks for joining the show. We'll catch you guys next week. This is Dave Sherapin signing off Cash Considerations.